Good morning. It's good to be saved and know it. And on our way to heaven, and someday we're going to be there, George Washington said, don't eat in front of people if they're not eating, and don't drink in front of them, but I'm going to break his rule. So I don't get thirsty too often, but I am now. I'm thirsting for heaven. I want to thank you all for just being so supportive to us. It's been great. It's been a real trip this whole week. Um, I am thankful for my wife. She's coming around. I'm very thankful for you all praying for her and, and the ladies giving us a care package and very thoughtful. All these little details, you just make us feel like kings around here. I was in a church one time where I had an escort from the hotel to the church. They made you feel like a king. But you guys have done a out-of-the-ballpark job here, and you make us feel at home around here and spoil us, and it's just great. It's a great encouragement. And um, when you're on the foreign field and you ask for requests and uh, you see, you sense some pressure and spiritual battles going on, and sometimes I can sense the thing just going lifting off after we've asked folks to pray for us. And it's a real battle. And intercessory prayer, you pay attention to how many times the Bible talks about prayer. And some little young boy or some little girl here or some grandma or some grandpa, don't ever take it for granted. When, you're, when your prayers are going up to heaven, he's a, ch- a chess master. He knows exactly what to do with that little prayer. One little phrase. And so I want to remind you and encourage you, of course, your pastor is mission-minded, and we've witnessed all these things, and it's just great to know that, and that you're such a, a supportive people, and it's just good to be in the family of God, man, this is great, looking forward to going to heaven, so anyway, Acts chapter 28, please, Acts chapter 28, and while you're going there, I'm going to quote a verse here, John chapter 14, the Bible says, in my father's house are many mansions, If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. One of these days, you're going to be right up there in heaven's glory, looking at the very man that shed his pure, precious blood, God, on Calvary's cross for you and me. What a reality. What a future. What a God. What a Savior. What a man who's given us his manhood. We lost it in Adam. We got it back in Jesus Christ. And we're living in a day where there's so much instability. And I thank God that my Savior is a rock and a foundation. And we can look to him any time of the day, in the middle of the night, when things aren't going well. No matter what kind of storm it is, no matter what kind of problem you're dealing with, there's, there's nothing too hard for God. I mean, what is this little old earth? Let's pretend that my, the, the, the head of this pen is this earth. You can barely see it, can you? And then you put all these walls down, and you got this little ball earth here. And what are you and me on this earth? in front of a mighty God who created all the worlds and he comes down and condescends to you and me and he's right there and no matter how far down you have been friend 
God has been so far further down and went all the way down there and he comes back up and he can just pick you up so gently and slowly and surely and easily. That's my friend, Jesus Christ and my God. And we're getting closer day by day to seeing our Savior. It's a reality. And we are coming to that day when we will see heaven's glory day by day. And sometimes we have a tendency to look ahead and we can't see through the fog and through the storm what's going on. But we see little tokens as we approach heaven's glory in those mansions and seeing our Savior and all of God's glory up there. And this is typified in this trip here of the Apostle Paul on a ship and he's going to Rome. He was going to Rome to die on the battlefield. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Paul was a man that was an inquisitor. He killed. He, he had Christians to be provoked to blaspheme God. And when he saw Stephen being killed, he gave the okay that. And then after that, when Paul died, he was left for dead. They carried him out of the city. When he came to, he went back into that very same city. There's two strong testimonies to where Paul would not settle for anything less than dying for Jesus Christ and dying a martyr's death. We have no idea what's going to happen here in the future. We don't know what's going to go on tomorrow. But there are tokens along the way to show us we're getting closer to that day. And those tokens are laid out here in, in a typical fashion, in type, in chapter 28 of the book of Acts. And it says in verse, we'll start at verse 11. Acts chapter 28, verse 11. And after three months, we departed in, in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to Hregium. And after one day the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Petioli, where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went to, toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appi form and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. It came to pass that after three days, Paul carried the chief of, called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, Yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my, my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you, to see you, and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake 
any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee, what thinkest thou, or what thou thinkest? For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this hour. We thank you for the congregational singing. We thank you for uh, the, uh, uh, the special. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship. We thank you, dear Lord, for the presentations this whole week, the preaching from the very beginning until now, dear Lord. We just thank you for being so good to us. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts now. Show us something from this particular text. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Wash us in your pure, precious blood. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, dear Lord God. May something be said that might edify your people. Maybe somebody might even get saved. And especially, God, you'd get all the praise and glory and honor. And we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The things happening the closer you get to home. What's happening the closer we get to home? Day by day, we see all kinds of things going on. <clears throat> and uh, Paul in the previous chapter, had a shipwreck. And he had been at least three shipwrecks. This man was a tough character. Nobody could stop him. God was pushing him along, pressing him along and wooing him along. And Paul, after those two major instances, he decided he wanted to die and have the honor of dying a martyr's death. He could have been freed over there in Asia he decided to carry on and even risk his life. Another shipwreck. Then a snake, a serpent bites him. He shakes it off. And now he's got this to deal with in, in our text here. And he's going to Rome. He's going to Rome to die. And that's his departure. Oh, when I go through an airport, we're constantly reminded arrivals and departures. And the Lord always reminds me, it could be today. The departure could be today. Amen? It could be today. I was at a, uh, I went by a restaurant in northwest Indiana where we were based out of, and there was a restaurant called Shipwreck, of all things. Of course, it, it was a bar, so you know why it's a shipwreck. <laughs> People going in there get shipwrecked. And uh, maybe... Uh, your home is on the verge of shipwreck or it's a, a relationship or maybe it's uh, finances or maybe it's uh, a lack of faith and your faith is wavering and you're not quite sure what to do, where to go, how to do it and so on and so forth. A lot of instability and shipwrecks are, we're seeing these and faith is necessary through a storm. We see the Apostle Paul here, how he was steadfast, but he needed to be himself encouraged. He's just a man like you and me. He needed help like you and me. He even said fears within. And so if we could just stick it out and have enough faith because when you come through that storm, you see why the Lord had you go through it. So then you could be a blessing to others and you see how God was so good. He, maybe he was saving you from something else that could have been a whole lot worse. 
Has that ever happened to you or something happened to you? And God was saving you from something that could have happened a whole lot worse. I know of a man, he called me up. Uh, it was about 12.30 where we were planning on going out on the street and being a public witness and preaching the Word of God. And he didn't call. He said, well, let's meet at so-and-so within a half hour. Within 10 minutes, he calls me back. Some lady had cut him off. He ran the pickup truck down a ditch, and it slammed right into a tree. He came to church the next day, and his nose was crooked. But he was telling me for about 10 minutes how he had the opportunity to give a Bible, a free Bible, to the police lady. Now, can you imagine the impression she's got in her brain? This guy's nose is doing a right angle. And it was already crooked, but now it is really crooked. And here, she's trying to write up the report, and he gives her a free Bible. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. The, 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 the little meter up in heaven of faith is clicking when a guy can do that. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And it's impossible not to please him when you're stepping in that arena of faith. And God will want to bring you through some, that storm, whatever it might be. So then when you come out of that, you can say, wow, God, I see a whole lot more. Um, thank you. I mean, thank you for that thing right there. So here's Paul. He's coming closer to uh, Rome. And what do we see here as he was approaching Rome? And folks, that was the place of his departure. And when we get closer to that place of departure, what, do, what are the things that are happening the closer we get to home. Well, first of all, you're going to see part of the body of Christ <clears throat> nearing Rome. Do you see things going south, friends? Do you see how there's apostasy, and Pastor mentioned the, the other word with the, with the letter A, apathy? Do you see that? I mean, it's happening. That means, folks, we're getting, we're getting closer to home. That is not talked about much these days. And these are warnings that we're getting closer. The, the church, uh, the body of Christ, and we see some of my friends that I used to street preach with and pray with and uh, cry with and so on and so forth, and they're not around. And I know of one preacher, he made a list of those that he used to preach, and then, and then he'd add to that list those that we're no longer wanting to uh, labor for the Lord. He said, I put the whole list aside. I was getting discouraged. I've got to keep my eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to keep my, my scope fixed on Jesus Christ. Like one brother said, uh, you don't need to be discouraged because Jesus isn't. Present tense. Jesus isn't. And we're talking about manners or culture or methods or morality or music or manuscripts. You see these things that they are from Alexandria and they're going to Rome. All roads lead to Rome, they say, right? But you don't have to go that road. You have a choice. You have a choice. You don't have to go down that road. <clears throat> the church has steadily followed the path of it, the manners of culture, culture, this new culture wave. I was in a church, and they said, stick around, because we're going to have Christian rap after service. They're praising rap. That's where it's going. I was a professional musician before I got saved, and I went to the Moody Bible Institute. I didn't know anything about anything about Bibles. 
And then I went into the bookstore and I saw these, uh, the, 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 what they were selling, the discs uh, of singers. And I'm, I'm seeing them and I'm thinking, I just came out of that stuff. I do not want to go back into it. And we need to be very careful about that because these things, the, for the most part, it's, they're going to Rome from Alexandria. That's one of the tokens. And, of course, it's a, a bad token. You know, Martin Luther, back in 1510, he walked, he walked uh, 1,850 miles on foot. And by the time he got to Rome, he made the conclusion, he said this, if there is a hell, Rome is built over it. That's what that man said. You know what he had? He had a tenacity for truth, and God used that man to shake Europe with that translation. He was determined, I'm not going down that road. He had a dogged determination to stay with the Lord Jesus Christ. Rome is a circus, a running sewer. Those are the words of Martin Luther. And, you know, a lot of folks are uh, worried about, you know, uh, what's going on against our Constitution, and at the same time, they're throwing out this precious book right here. What's that, folks? That's folks that are getting closer to Rome. And that is another sign or token of the fact we're one more, one more step closer to those mansions up there. When you see that going, and, and folks that I've written letters to, and I, say, I asked them, uh, do you think, uh, you know, where is the final authority? Well, when they hear that question these days, they think, well, you're King James onlyism. That's right, I am. And I'm, I, by the grace of God, I'm going to stay with that. <clears throat> Lester Roloff, when he was uh, fighting for truth and so on and so forth, they threw him in jail. You know what he was doing? He was singing on the way to jail. Have you anybody, uh, have anybody seen that? He's singing on the way to jail. He didn't give un, under the pressure. He was encouraged when they came and, and he was fighting for uh, truth. And uh, he had all those young girls gathered there at the courthouse where the uh, police and whoever taken Lester Roloff to jail. And those young ladies were singing, Oh, friend, do you love Jesus? And he answers, oh, yes, I love Jesus. And they said, are you sure you love Jesus? And he answered, yes, I'm sure I love Jesus. And they said, tell us why you love Jesus. And he says, this is why I love Jesus. And they all sang, because he first loved me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. You don't have to go to the route to Rome, folks. You don't have to go to that route to Rome. Secondly, the closer you are to home, the closer you are to Rome, encouragement. Will, be, will mean more to you. The closer Paul was going to Rome, you know what he needed? Encouragement. And uh, it says over there in verse 15, 
And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appi Forum, three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God. And what did he do? He took courage. And along the way, the closer we get to home and our departure out of here, although uh, much of the body of Christ is going toward Rome, we can be encouraged. And it's so important. Divine encouragement means so much. Uh, look over there in chapter 27, uh, chapter just before it, and it says in verse 21, But after long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For, <clears throat> for there stood by me this night an angel whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Paul's in the midst of a storm. He's got those folks breaking bread with him. He's praying. What a witness during a storm. Why? Because he's getting divine encouragement. That's what you and I need today for God who comes along and he speaks and he says, I'm thinking about you. I care for you. You're mine and I'm yours. That's integrity. I like that word integrity. And God's got that integrity for you and me as if you're the only one in this whole universe. He's right on top of things in your life, friend. And he wants to encourage you. And then there's encouragement from, <clears throat> encouragement from a friend. It's good. A lot of uh, young folk, they like uh, independence. But folks that mature, they want inner dependence. You got that little circle of friendship where you can call someone and talk with someone. doesn't mean you have to say every little detail, but enough to where they understand you need help. And they're saying, I'm there with you, friend. A guy preaches a good message. I don't care who he is. I'm going to go up and tell him. I say, thank you, man. That helped me. I don't know how he's going to react to it, but I feel like I need to just let him know that what he said was just enough to get me over that little hump. Amen? Amen. It might be just one phrase that he says. A young man gets up and preaches the word of God. I shot down here to the altar as if it was the first time. I remember the first time I, I went down to the altar after George Sweeting was preaching the word of God. And he gave, an, he gave an invitation for missions. I didn't know what I was doing. Nine years later, I'd find myself in a foreign field. Thirty years later, I got three grown children serving the Lord. And my wife is right with me to this very day. That guy didn't know what would happen to me when I went down to that altar. I didn't know anything about anything. I said, okay, I'm going down. I like this. I'm going down to that altar. And people are trying to do with altars now. Yeah, that's going on. They're going down to Rome. I like a good old-fashioned altar. I can go down there and I want to pray. I want to get on my knees and talk to God. And then encouragement from others. Divine encouragement from God Almighty. A verse, something you read, a phrase, a chapter. You read about charity there. Charity, charity, charity suffereth long and is kind. And you think about the, the goodness of God in Jesus Christ and how charitable he was. He's on that cross and the blood's coming down. They beat him to a pulp. And there he is looking down and he's interceding for you and me. And you want to know about if, if, if you could ever hear Jesus Christ praying for you, that would be pretty interesting, wouldn't it? Just to kind of sneak in there and hear him praying and hear and him saying your name. 
Well, if you read the Apostle Paul's epistles, they're written under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's coming right out of heaven's glory. Those prayers are for you. And then there is where you have to encourage yourself. I remember before I was saved, my dad and mom say, you can get the ball, you can hit it, come on, Perry. Or they're not around anymore. So I got to go around sometimes. Man, you, you were tenacious after a football. You were, you played, you played, you were, you were mad after music, morning and night. So sometimes I got to encourage myself. David had to encourage himself. They burnt the city. They took his wives, they, the families and everything. And it says David encouraged himself. They wanted to kill him. You talk about problems, family problems. His boy's after him. Saul's after him. He got proud. He numbered the people. Seventy-five, I don't know how many thousand people, 70 or 75, a thousand people died. He got proud in his heart, but he found, he found enough to encourage himself when he needed to, and you have to do that. All right, First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30, and we'll start at verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man and his sons, for his daughters, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David said to Abiathar, Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. In verse 6 you have encouraged. Here in verse 7 you have ephod. Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Question. Shall I overtake them? Question. Have you got a lot of questions? Take them to God. Do you want to be encouraged? Take those questions to God. Sometimes the flesh gets in the way, and it seems to be that God is the last one that knows where we hear, or He hears us verbally tell Him about our problem. We get on the phone or talk to somebody else, and the last one we'll pour our heart out to is to the one that gives us the very breath in our lungs. Divine encouragement, encouragement from a friend, and where you encourage yourself. And so that's why it's important for a local church. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ didn't have Skype or a telephone or a Zoom or a boob tube or a YouTube or an iPod and an A-pod and a Z-pod, whatever those pods are. Podcast. I still can't figure that thing out. Podcast. I'm thankful he didn't have that. There's no substitute for a local New Testament Bible-believing Baptist church. No substitute for it. I like it. I like to be in church and rubbing shoulders. And how many times where you came in and when you went out, you were a whole lot better by the time you got out of here. How many times? Thousands of times. The closer you get to home, you may have bouts with loneliness. Let's go back to our text in chapter 28. Because in chapter 28, in verse 16, what does it say? And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. He was there by himself. Sometimes you need someone around. You want to talk to somebody, but you're there by yourself. Maybe God's just trying to get your attention. Moses, way out there in the wilderness, God trying to work on him and work him and then show himself to, to Moses, train him out there in the wilderness. You know, 
It's good to get alone and talk to God because someday you just might be alone that you'll have to talk with God. Paul said, while he was in jail at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. At my first answer, no man stood with me. Notwithstanding, look at this, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. <clears throat> yeah, he had a prison ministry. He had a prison ministry. He was, found himself often in a prison dungeon by himself. And Well, when you read chapter 16 of the book of Acts, his friend Silas is saying, Now, Paul, what do you think we ought to do? You pulled us all the way from the Asian continent over to the European continent. Here we are in jail. Beat the fire out of you and everything else. Now what do we do? He said, well, we could sing. A heart that's way down in that belly of the whale, Jonah. And he looks up to God and that God tells that whale to bring him up where there's sunshine. Of course, he came out and if you ask the opinion of the whale, the whale would say, that man just makes me want to puke. Yeah, you got one of them. And so, uh, encouragement, where God wants, to, wants you to be encouraged. Also, uh, the closer we get to home, your cause ought to be honed and defined. The more you and I, the more we desire to want to live for God, it seems like that path just gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And what is God doing with you? He's honing you. You stay here and let God work with you no matter what the temptations no matter what the storm no matter what the problem when a man shell in the corn and teaching like you get taught here God's trying to hone you and hone you and hone you and so by the end when you get to that home wham man you talk about the 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 compensation they talk about compensation down on this earth God is a able to do it more exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Talk about a compensation waiting for you right around the corner. Uh, the cause, ought to, your, the, your cause will be honed and defined in verse 20. Look what it says here. Well, let's start at verse 19. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse, uh, accuse my nation of, for this cause. Therefore have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. He had a cause. He had a cause. In Philippians, while Paul was in jail, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mentioned it last night. If you read the book of Philippians, Paul's in jail. He's beat up. Maybe he was, maybe he was concussed. How many of you have ever had, a, ever had a concussion? Oh, there you go. I had one. Never had a headache in my life until I was 30 years old or 35 years old and walked out of the apartment building there in Kiev and my hands were full and fell backwards and hit the concrete step. I couldn't even brace myself and wham, I was out. And uh, maybe Paul had to go through that. But you know what? You read Philippians chapter 1, 2, and 3, and 4. I think it's about 39 times you read the word Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ. God was all over that man while he was in that jail. It was him and God in that jail. They talk about Daniel in the lion's den. Well, let's turn that thing around. 
You know what, you know what it really was? It was the lions in Daniel's den. That's what it was. That's what it was. Ruth, a Moabitess. She comes over there. She's in Israel. And she's just picking up the gleanings. I believe, folks, we're in the gleanings right now. Just like, you know why? Because Judges is the seventh book. Okay, seven. Seven uh, of, in the Old Testament. And the book of Colossians is the seventh epistle of the Apostle Paul where it deals with Laodicea. We're in the gleanings of Laodicea. And right in the middle of that chapter, of chapter 2 in the book of Ruth, you have the, word, the words handfuls on purpose. And give, God is giving you handfuls on purpose. He gives you and me some, something to do today. And even if it is at the end of the dispensation of the church age, do you know what the Lord said about the, uh, John the Baptist? Did he ever write a book in the Bible, John the Baptist? No. Did he live a long life? No. How did he die? He was beheaded. In the social system, they say, ah, oh, he was a heretic. He got beheaded. Hooray. He didn't live long. Get that heretic out of the way. Do you know what Jesus Christ said about John the Baptist who lived at the end of that law dispensation? Just like we're at the end of the church age dispensation. God said, the Lord Jesus Christ said about John the Baptist, there was no greater prophet born of women. Now, do you see how God sees that, folks? Here you are, just barely getting a soul. Now, what you saw on those slides, what we showed you, folks getting saved left and right, that's because there's bombs coming down and the country's broken. But before that, uh, years, we were seeing less and less people getting saved, and it was becoming harder because of the, you know, the westernization and all that. And, and we, were, you know, we had freedom to preach the Word of God, but it wasn't like it was 20 years ago. 20 year, 15 years ago, we saw that we're less, uh, we're wanting to get baptized, less we're making a, uh, making a profession of faith and wanting to come to church. But the test was, did we understand the purpose of staying with the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what the Lord wants today. No, it's not going to be like it was 50, 60, 70 years ago. People are living in a bubble if they're going to see the, they're not waiting outside standing in line like the Billy, Billy Sunday uh, evangelistic campaigns. Can't live back at, like it was 80, 90 years ago. But the thing is, God's still looking for quality. Do you, how many of you here remember the, the uh, commercial Quasar? The quality goes in before the quantity goes out. Do you remember that? Yeah. You know what God wants? He wants quality from us. He wants us to stay with this book. He wants you to be consistent here coming to church. He wants you to give your tithes and uh, love offerings and, uh, and uh, the giving and uh, what Pastor just talked about in Sunday school. <clears throat> Staying by that. And David, uh, when he was challenged uh, by Goliath, uh, he said, Is there not a cause? Do you see that cause? Have you, have you still got that vision of what God wants from you? And you stay with it and stick with it and stand with it, stand, stick and stay. There's an old word uh, among missionaries, stick to itiveness. And I remember in basketball days, you'd stick to a guy man to man. 
And the Lord reminds me, I could stick with a guy playing man-to-man, and I can't stick with this book and follow hard after God's holy word today. Why not? I remember in Kiev, we're coming toward, uh, coming toward Kiev. We just got done with a tent meeting. And uh, they have these uh, posts, policemen posts, with a, with a real, uh, I, I don't know the word in English. I lost my English. The, the gate comes down. And the, the policeman, he's got a, pole, a stick about this long. And he waves you down. And that can really, that's real demoralizing, you know. And they're standing there, and they're looking at you, and then they wave that thing, and he's so. So he waved us off, off the side of the road, and I had some men with us in the back seat, and one brother, Constantine, he's sitting right behind me, and over my left shoulder, my window was down, and the policeman, when they come up to you, and he speaks to you, documenta, he, he, he says, documents, please. So you have to give him some documents, and before I can get my documents out, my friend Constantine had his Bible, and he said, this is my document right here. He had a cause. He had a purpose. And you know what that policeman said? He didn't even want my document. He said, go on. <laughs> go on. He had some boldness, Constantine. This is my document right here. That's the very same thing Lester Roloff said. This is the cause of it all. And these, these, uh, these, uh, these uh, journalists and these, these people, these journalists, they got these, they're looking at each other. They don't know what to do. Lester Roloff's just having a time of his life. He knew what his cause was. He knew what the purpose was. He had some handfuls on purpose for God Almighty. And the closer we get to home, opinion will be more popular than truth. Look at it says in chapter, or chapter 28. In chapter 28 and verse 22. It said, But we desire to hear of thee, what thinkest thou? What thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. The, there's this approach today, uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? It's called the inductive method, and that's in the school system where, well, I start from me, and I, because I think it couldn't be what the Bible says. That's permeating throughout society, in all the schools. Well, I think it starts from me. No, it doesn't start from me. It starts with God. In the beginning, God. God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. It's not what I think about something. What does the Bible say about this? And uh, do you want, Pastor mentioned about the times uh, when it will be, when the time uh, uh, in the tribulation, of course, in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the t- time of the Son of, the son of Man coming. Well, look over here in Job with me in chapter 21. This is what's going on in the heart of many people right now. Job chapter 21. Look what it says in verse 12. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore, they say, look at here, unto God, depart from us. That's what the world system wants. For you to depart from God. For we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have, should we have if we pray unto him? Oh, there's no profit in you praying unto God. So we'll just take prayer out of the schools. Look at over there in chapter 22, verse 15. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood? 
which said unto God, now here it is, depart from us. And what can the Almighty do for them? You see that? That's what's going on. So your cause, friends, ought to be honed. Our cause ought to be honed and shapen. That's what God wants to do. Sharpen our edge. <clears throat> Opinion will be more popular than truth. And also, you need to redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Let's go back over to chapter 28, Acts 28. Acts chapter 28, <clears throat> and it says in verse 23, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening, an all-day institute, morning and evening. Now, when we have our Bible institutes, we go all day, morning until the evening, uh, six days a week. And we have people coming from different parts of uh, former Soviet Union. You saw some of them slides there. I remember when I was uh, over in Berlin, we were out there and had a conference. And we were out in the street and witnessing and passing out tracks. And uh, there was one lady standing there. And I gave her a track. And uh, I asked her, ma'am, are you saved? And she said, yes, sir, I saved. And I, I said, well, sister, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm so glad you're my sister. And she said, all day. Yes, sir. All day. And here's Paul. All day, morning and night, morning and night, giving them the Word of God. God wants us to redeem the time while we get closer to that home in heaven. <clears throat> redeem the time. Why? And by, there's a purpose in it. Look what it says in verse uh, 24. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. <clears throat> there are still folks trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like the Lord to come back right now. Amen. Boy, it'd be good. I mean, your last words of Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 14, make haste, my beloved. <clears throat> the last prayer in the Bible, even so, come Lord Jesus. And maybe one of the reasons why God is still in his time, there's still more souls out there that need to hear the word of God right here in this town. There's still some relatives that you need to continue to pray for. There's still some friend or acquaintance that you know that needs to hear the gospel and maybe from you personally. Spend some time with them. Pray for them. And then the Bible says the days are evil. Now let's go back over to 2 Timothy chapter 4 because Paul's in Rome. We see here in Acts, he's in Rome and he's writing this epistle to uh, young Timothy Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. By that, by, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles <clears throat> might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I mentioned prayer in the beginning of this sermon here. 
And I want you to go over to John 17. Now we're coming to the end. Now this is the heart of Jesus. And I believe this is the heart of missions. This prayer right here, this is the Lord's heart. You know, John laid on his chest, and they said John was the closest. Well, <clears throat> the Lord by his Holy Spirit is revealing to you and me the heart of Jesus Christ and the heart of missions right here in this prayer. You have sent seven times. You do your homework and underline the word sent. Just like he was sent, he sends you and me. He mentions the word Father five times. He mentions the word love five times. He mentions the world 19 times in this chapter. He, remember, he mentions the word name four times. He mentions the word give and given 16 times. And Jesus Christ is the example of giving. Amen. And here, Pastor just mentioned about faith, promise, giving. And what a, what a tremendous thing where people like you are giving and many missionaries uh, are, are very thankful for that. But there's one thing I want you and me to want you to see here. In verse 1, it says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is coming. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Go down to verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world. Go on over there to verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Go on down to verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And look at the very last time in verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's what we started with, folks. John chapter 14. Where I am, there ye shall be also. It says here, that they may behold my glory. Folks, what a tremendous thing it is. That's the heart of missions. Live each day as if it's your last, and soon it will be. We're getting closer to heaven's glory, one day at a time, and we're seeing these tokens as we go by. We're close. Let's keep looking up. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for this hour. And Lord, we thank you that you allow us to see we're getting closer and closer to those mentions, seeing our Savior, heaven's glory. And Lord, we just ask and pray that you'd help us and strengthen us. Lord, you want to hone us. Maybe there's a rough edge, one area in our life. Help us to give that to you. Maybe it's impatience. Maybe we've lost some patience with certain things. Maybe we've lost sight of that vision. Maybe we haven't, been, we haven't been beholding that glory that's up ahead. And we've seen some things along the way. Help us to stay true to you, God. Stay true to your words, God. Stay true to the mission that you've given each and every one of us, God. Help this church, help the pastor here. Help what they're trying to do here with the vision they've got. We ask and pray, dear Lord. 
We need some wisdom, understanding, strength for the day. Help us to keep that vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. We love you, dear Lord, and thank you for first loving us and being so merciful to us every day. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Just ask and pray now, God. Keep us in your will. Turn our hearts toward you, God. Help us to stand, stick, and stay. Then until that departure, the time of our departure, when it comes, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Pastor. Let's stand and take our hymnals. Turn to number 248. Number 248. Oh, how I love Jesus. Please come on up here. I'm going to have you close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for meeting with us this morning. What an honor it is to be in your house, Lord. Would you keep us in your house, Father? Lord, as a missionary, I want to pray your blessing on this church. God, thank you for those who send your gospel all over the world. Bless this church, God, please. Bless each and every one of the families here. Father, I know that you love them. I pray that you would just be glorified with this church. And Lord, would you help this church, each family, help them to be fruitful, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.